Welcome to Business Unmuted, the business discussion programme for the north of England, which is also available on all good podcast sites. The programme is brought to you in association with Virtue BMW, part of Gateshead-based Virtue Motors PLC. If you're in the market for a new used or fleet vehicle, its dealerships are in Stockton, Durham, Sunderland, Malton or York. The government-backed Social Mobility Commission's State of the Nation report was published just a few days ago. It found that trends in the drivers for social mobility over the last 20 years are generally positive, but there are predictions from the Sutton Trust of an up to 12% decline in social mobility, driven by the learning losses during the pandemic and categorised by family background. In economic news, the Office of National Statistics have revealed that retail sales in the three months to May fell by 1.3% compared to the previous three months. However, in the closely watched PMI survey, that's the Purchasing Managers Index, the UK economy sustained a modest pace of expansion in June and also saw a strong employment growth. Despite that, there are warnings that the economy is still running on fumes with petrol prices like they are now. We can maybe get some fuel in the tank, but how? My guests today are Roger Clark, who's representing the mobility champions, the Sutton Trust, Nicola Bellaby, tax partner at Clive Owen LLP, and Richard Lane, chief commercial officer at Durham Lane. Now, all of them are down the line. And the reason for that is that I've just recovered from COVID. This is my first day back in the business at Recognition PR after a week off with COVID and uh, it's certainly spreading around the business community in the north of England. The number of people uh, who've contacted me to say there are people off with COVID at the moment is uh, is legion. Thankfully, very few people are being hospitalised, but I've got to admit it wasn't a very pleasant experience. Anyway, let's welcome our guests. Welcome everyone and thank you for being down the line because I didn't want to give everyone uh, COVID just in case I hadn't quite got better enough. Roger, I'm going to start with you if you don't mind. Um, now you're sat there in your car because you've taken a time out of your busy day uh, to talk to us. Now in your day job, you are quite a, um, a respected and senior official at DEFRA, aren't you? What do you do at DEFRA in your day job? So in my day job, um, I advise our ministers on how to deal with some of the uh, the kind of biggest challenges facing our food environment and rural industries. Um, and that can be anything from supply chain issues to, uh, for example, the current conflict in Ukraine. Nice. So really, uh, really fun job. Uh, day in, day out, seeing ministers very regularly with a big team um, that, I, uh, that I kind of that supports me and that I support um, to to work on some of the most complicated issues we're dealing with. Well, I think that's great. You've got a really serious and top-level job, uh, and you're a relatively young fellow. But you went to, I believe it was Cambridge University? I did. I was lucky enough uh, to be the only person in my year to go to Oxbridge. So, uh, yes, I definitely benefit a lot from that. And that's the reason I've invited you on the programme, because this is the moment in the year that the Sutton Trust, which you're here to talk about, runs uh, summer schools for aspiring students for Oxbridge and Cambridge as a way of uh, breaking down social barriers and making sure that it isn't all, all uh, public school educated and um, um, people that are able to go to those universities. Now, that's the background for the Sutton Trust. Tell me how you got involved in the Sutton Trust and how it helped you. Go back to when you were thinking about university and what the Trust did. Yeah, sure. So I was um, I was born actually in a relatively deprived part of Sheffield, uh, so Yorkshire, just. Um, I then moved to Aberystwyth in Wales, um, where I went to a normal state school um, and was definitely looking quite locally um, back in, this is 2007, when I was looking around at university options. Uh, one of my teachers took me aside, said my kind of grades were good enough to get into Oxbridge. Um, I should give it a go. I couldn't really 
go there because I, I mean, it's a six hour drive. I don't know if you've ever been to West Wales, but it's not particularly accessible. Um, so there are all sorts of barriers in my way, but the Sutton Trust um, sent me on a summer school back in 2007 at, at Cambridge, actually. Uh, and that massively lifted my horizons and set me on a course, um, uh, a sort of a road, as it were, no pun intended with my background, but um, <laughs> led me to an entirely different place than I would have been otherwise. So they've done that for 50,000 plus students uh, since they started. Um, and they're now working with 35 corporate partners to extend people's horizons, not only at university, but also across different professions, such as law, consultancy, banking, and some uh, more uh, more kind of diverse career options as well. Now, this issue of social mobility, which you are personifying on our programme today, I've got a story of my own. A, a young girl in Darlington, uh, born to parents who were doing okay, but they, they neither went to university. Neither of the parents went to university. She's at a state sixth form college, doing well, getting good grades, but has decided it's time to look for university and looks for universities in the north of England, all relatively good universities, respectable universities. But one of the teachers at the sixth form says, look, you're going to do really well if you apply yourself. Why don't you apply to the Sutton Trust? She went on a Sutton Trust summer school at Oxford, got the bug for Oxford, as you clearly did for Cambridge, applied worked hard and on Christmas Eve that year received her acceptance letter to Oxford University. It was the most delightful day I know because she was my daughter and she still is and she's gone on and she's now a, a, a policy director at an American bank and she's done extremely well having been to Oxford and done a PPE. Now that's dad bragging by the way and dads are allowed to brag it's just one of the rules of life okay just forget just forget about it our dads are allowed to brag. Now, I can see that my daughter did exceptionally well because of the Sutton Trust. Um, and I heard what she had to say about this summer school programme. Tell me in your words what the summer school programme did and, and how it lifted your horizon. So I think it did three main things. First of all, it puts you in um, an environment where you're not attached to your friends at school. You're suddenly kind of thrown in with a load of different people from across the United Kingdom. And they have an American programme as well. Um, and they are similar people to you. They are a tie shooting at school, but they are from backgrounds um, that, are, uh, that are not sort of naturally, you know, they're not from private schools and things like that. So um, they kind of, they make you realise that even though you may have been, you know, for some students, a big fish in quite a small pond, that doesn't actually matter that much. There's there's quite a big pond out there and everyone can have a, bit, a slice of the pie to mix metaphors a bit. So that's the first thing they do. The second big thing they do is they put you into that environment. So I lived effectively as a Cambridge student for a week, uh, minus at that age, the drinking. Um, so, you know, um, you got a taste for um, for that level of, uh, that kind of level of academic interests, that kind of buzz of lifestyle, doing stuff that was both academic and non-academic. One of my memories there was uh, look, you know, watching Shakespeare uh, in a kind of in a garden, some some college somewhere. Um, I actually had never seen Shakespeare live before, mm. um, and really enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, this is an entirely different world that's kind of been open to me. Um, and then the final thing, the third the third thing it does for you is um, you suddenly get a level of sort of you get a taste of academic teaching that is um, basically a step above. Um, I mean, it's the best value for money you can spend. Um, and you realize then that going for um, some, you know, 
all universities have have kind of advantages and disadvantages, but there is there are league tables out there, and there are universities where the outcomes are better than for other universities, and a lot of that is down to the high quality of the teaching. So you get a bit of a taste for that, um, and that sets you off on on a road where um, you have a peer group who you can be in contact with, both at university and beyond, because you've got a shared experience. You um, you have an, a sort of a clear idea of what that experience is going to be, so you gain you gain a massive amount of confidence. And then thirdly, you realise you actually do want the best for yourself um, at university, the best teaching. And then you kind of you kind of keep going with that after university. You sort of want the best going forward as well. So you do want to apply for the best internships because you think you are worth it. It sort of lifts your sense of self worth massively, massively. All those three things. I think that you've just described what in old-fashioned terms, would be the old boys' club. But, of course, it is no longer the old boys' club because the Sutton Trust has made it not all boys and has made it hugely expanded. So people like my daughter and you can take part in the peer-to-peer and the, the, the network that, that just coalesces around that experience. Uh, the other thing that my daughter found was very interesting is that, in her case, Oxford didn't actually change for her. She had to change and understand Oxford which was very different from us, but I have a working class guy who has won GCSE, literally. And uh, so it was very different for me as a parent to understand that. One of the interview questions she got at uh, university, I think, was, what is church? Three, three, three words in a question, but really <clears throat> challenged her to open her mind and wanted to really talk about what the issues were rather than... Uh, rather than just uh, just ask her a simple yes or no question or, or what have you. So this question about um, uh, 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 Oxford and Cambridge not adapting but encouraging, do you think that that's what the Sutton Trust helps? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think they have, they've definitely adapted over the longer term. So uh, the, the Cambridge I went to back in 2007 is, is quite different from the one that exists now and, and thankfully very different to the one that existed 20 or 30 years ago. So universities are doing are doing a good job. Um, employers are also doing a good job. I think there was a time when you went into a place like banking or, um, or law and you had to become a certain type of person and fit in. And, um, and they were equally uh, guilty or sort of uh, well known for asking uh, very weird and wacky questions that yeah. almost sort of lent themselves more to those from private school and state school because of the sort of the way in which um, the people answering them were expected to think. Um, but there's a lot of progress being made on that. Uh, Sutton Trust is, is responsible for some of that. I mean, you know, they put in over 120 million quid of uh, investment into social mobility um, since their inception. Um, but that it has also kind of caught, uh, it's, it's, it's sparked off a conversation, a national conversation, where I think there's an increasing understanding that it's not only uh, a sort of a good thing morally for, you know, for mm. universities and for employers to open up opportunities to, to um uh, people from different backgrounds um, and genders and ethnicities and kind of open up their their portfolio. But it's also really good economically. Um, so, you know, there's endless studies out there, most famously the sort of one about five years ago from McKinsey that shows employers who have a diverse workforce are more profitable. And I think that is kind of that that is really, um, really important and no more, no more, no more so than it is now. Uh, when uh, we're looking at the uh, the various economic pressures out there, you can't afford to shrink your recruitment pool, um, and I think that's something employers know, and it's something universities know as well, because ultimately they will depend on the strength of their students, and they know that they need to adapt, however slowly that's going to be, but they are they are on that journey um, because they want the best pool of students as much as employers want the best pool of uh, of staff. 
Okay, well, Roger, I, I've let you dominate the conversation because I'm particularly excited about your, your product and your, your ch the mm. charity. And I would just advise all parents like me, if you're thinking of a child uh, deciding to go to university, to check out the Sutton Trust so you have maximum advantage. Nicola, what, you, you went to university. What do you make of what you've been listening to there? I'm absolutely fascinated because I went to a state school and I went to university in 1989, so quite a long time ago, and I always remember the headmaster standing up in front of the sixth farm and saying, do not apply to Oxford and Cambridge. It is a wasted application. You are from a state school. And, and I thought, you know, at the time I was really disappointed. They also added Durham to that list, by the way. Uh, Oxford, Cambridge and Durham, just a waste of time. Don't do it. So... This really excites me, actually, because I think that, that it's great that people now have that opportunity and, and you shouldn't be held back. And it's every, every word Roger says is absolutely right. Employers do want, uh, you know, a real varied um, diversity of, of staff and, and they all add so much to it when they're from different backgrounds. Our clients are all from different backgrounds. So we need to match that. Well, as I say, my, my daughter's testimony yeah. to it. She's a director of product, by the way, for a bank, not policy. I, I misspoke there. Richard, what do you make of it? You went to Leicester University. Um, of course, by the way, Roger, both Nicola and Richard, their children wouldn't be able to have help from the Sutton Trust, would they? Because they went to university. Well, I think they, I think they would. So the Sutton Trust does do quite a lot for, for people post-university as well. And... Um, and even though uh, my my mum actually got a degree, mainly because it came with free childcare, um, that was her only justification <laughs> for doing it. No, I just, um, my, that was just... my daughter's qualification was that my her parents didn't go to university. But if they, uh, if you have children, that you, uh, you, right. you can't necessarily take advantage. Anyway, go on. Richard. What do you make of what Roger's so, been saying? Well, so when it comes to the boat boat race, Graham, you and I would be on the same side because I'm actually from Oxford. So um, <laughs> I. Uh, the closest I got to Oxford University was I, in my year out after school, I worked at University College in Oxford, serving serving breakfast, lunch and dinner to um, the students who actually I became great mates with and used to drink in their, in their very subsidised bar. So I had a lot of fun in that sort of six month period. Um, yeah, I went to University of Leicester. My eldest son is hoping to go to Manchester University in September. Um, so we're, he's, he's been dossing around for two weeks, having finished his A-levels. I'm really interested in what Roger's been saying. I've never heard of the Southern Trust, um, which, you know, it's it's sort of a shame, really, isn't it? Because um, my brother went to Cambridge University. I'm from Oxford. Um, you know, probably um, I moved up to the region almost 17 years ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, there is, I think there is a, a stigma around, um, you know, where where people think about going and I know my eldest son he's got yeah. friends in sixth form who applied no one no one got in a few got a few got interviews but no one got accepted so yeah it's I, I think Roger's right and from what I hear they they are trying to change but there's probably a, a lot of work still to go I'd suggest in terms of diversity of of background of, of uh, undergraduates. Well, Richard, uh, we're going to change the subject and talk about the business uh, s uh, situation at the moment now. And let's let's start with you. Uh, we heard the Purchasing Managers Index looking quite positively on what's happening in the economy in the month of June. But then retrospectively going backwards a bit, uh, the ONS saying that sales figures are down. You are a sales specialist. Durham Lane is your business. You're advising companies on how to sell their products and services. Um, what do you think is the current situation in the economy? as far as the reception people are getting for their products and services? 
yeah, we're probably closer to the uh, to the sharp end than that. Um, um, in in as much as we actually do the the marketing and sales for our customers, so typically working with enterprise organisations, um, helping them to find new sales opportunities. So, um, you know, business business actually is is good. Um, we've have a we've had a some some strong strong years of growth or continue strong years of growth. I think. Um, it does feel a little bit like we've navigated through the pandemic and then there are many things that Roger's having to advise on uh, to government in terms of the war in Ukraine and and, uh, and um, talks of the uh, of the economy sort of going or becoming challenging. So I, I set up um, my first consultancy and then we founded Durham Lane uh, in 2011. So just coming out of the previous um, significant recession and uh, I do think that in times of challenge, the one thing you really have to get focused on is your uh, approach to market, and you have to keep making sure that you're winning new customers. You have to really look after the customers that you've got, uh, and you have to look to grow them as best you can. So, yeah, we're finding it finding it good. I think we are also having conversations with customers around maybe slowing down some of the activities that they're doing. But in general, um, I think you have to retain a positive outlook on the activities you do to uh, to grow your business. There, are, I've I've noticed. In my, I've got about seventy clients for recognition PR, and and I'm noticing a number of difficulties that people are having. That, but they're very different. There, there might be in some sectors where there is a little bit of a slowdown and demand has ebbed away. Not universally, though. One of the other problems people have is they don't have the capacity to sell, and they don't wish yes. to oversell. And, and I wonder what your view is on this, because my view in business has always been you, you sell, you sell, you sell, because you might lose it at the other end. So you should always keep selling. The whole point of being in business is you're in business, but you're always after more. Yes. And and there are there are definite supply chain issues for certain types of organization. So we work with a global a global tech company that relies on the on semiconductors to to build their products and they haven't got any. Yeah. So um, their their uh, their order book is eighteen months long in terms of being able to deliver uh, what they've already won to their customers. So they're saying to us, "Look, we love we love how we work with you. We love what you do for us, but we need to we need to reduce." Our message back is, "We understand that we're going to support you, but actually, remember how long it takes to start up your sales cycles in the first place." So for any you know for any smaller business or anyone listening to this thinking about their organisation. Um, creating opportunity takes time, so um, all, always keep the wheel turning would be my uh, my Absolutely. advice. Even if even if people are being asked to register for future supply, it's better to have their registration than turn them away. Yeah, and you've always got to be top of the inbox, haven't you? So you know, actually, the the demand and awareness that you can create, mm. um, if you, if you've got the opportunity to build up relationships, build rapport, demonstrate your value, um, not be pushy, and and you know sell smart focus on business fit and business value um then when the time is right you'll be first call and and that's when you can then really start to reap the rewards of of all of the effort that you put in particularly when uh people maybe haven't been buying as as uh as rapidly as they would have done previously i was talking to a private sector um letting agency that rents uh, houses and apartments and so on in quite a hot town in the north of england where where sales are good and they said, look, the, the, the issue is we will keep selling, 
but we have got the introduction of the waiting list. And the waiting yes. list is a, a relatively new phenomenon in private sector business in the last few years, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, and I think that's there is a challenge, isn't there, in how long is the waiting list? If it gets too long, people decide to do something different. But then, you know, actually, uh, I would then be thinking about, well, how do I keep the people on my waiting list engaged? Mm. How do I add value to what they're doing by communicating with them and, and sharing stuff that, that is valuable to them? And then when the when the situation eases, we'll be uh, we'll be able to, to work together. Nicola, let's turn to you lastly, because we're nearly the end of our programme today. Um, the next month in July, the national insurance rates are going to uh, go, well, they've already gone up, but the national insurance thresholds are going to go up. So quite a lot of people in the workforce uh, will have a small national insurance cut. Um, you're dealing, you're a tax advisor, a tax partner at uh, Clive Owen & Co. What's the impact on employers going to be? Well, employers, the problem for employers is that they're under great pressure to put salaries up. And um, we I was having a, a meeting with a client just yesterday, uh, and that was the message coming from them. But not only is the, are the salaries going up, the national insurance that has gone down, as you say, Robert, uh, Graham, a little bit um, for, for them, for the employees, the employer's national insurance has actually gone up to 15%. So on a lot of the salaries that are being paid, there's another 15%. By the way, it's amazing how many staff don't appreciate that there is a cost to employment. Mm. You know, it's, got, it, it's a tax on jobs, there's no question about it. That's right. And there's the, the auto enrolment, the pension payments to, to go on top of that. So every time salaries go up, there's a, there's a knock-on effect and maybe getting into paying apprenticeship levies on top of that, some clients. Um, they've got corporation tax rates going up in 2023. So from 19% to 25%, it potentially is a, a, a huge extra cost. And as Richard was saying, you know, there's pressure on sales. Um, the inflation we know is 9% at the minute consumer confidence at, at its lowest since 1974. So are those sales going to come through? But I think the thing from, from our client's point of view is the confidence looking forward. They've survived COVID, they've had their grants and, and everything is quite rosy there. But looking forward, they're saying, well, they're asking what pay rises should we give? You know, how, how are we going to cover this added cost of fuel, of raw materials, of not being able to get those raw materials like Richard's client. They can't even, uh, you know, they try it. someone this morning was saying they're trying to get electric cars to cut um, benefits in kind costs and they can't get them. It's all waiting lists. So, so it's that uncertainty and that lack of confidence that really is starting to come through. We've never seen the likes of it before. We've not had this sort of inflation since 1982. Um, and, you know, that's that's beyond, you know, we were children then. Yes. Yeah, know, ma many corporate memories that. don't start, stretch back that far. Well, no, it's a, a, bit, a bit of a bad note to, to end, and I do take your point, <laughs> but I would say that people, are, I mean, Richard and I are in business ourselves, and I, I, I think you have to get up in the morning and be confident, demonstrate some confidence about the future. Uh, admittedly, those problems exist, but if we whinged about them, yeah. yeah, if we whinged about them, we'd like be like sailors worrying about the weather, wouldn't we? We've just got to w navigate around it. Richard? Yeah, I think the, the so the, I always say change, change creates opportunity. And, you know, um, there will be people that, you know, if, if you're fleet of foot, if you're, if you're smart, if, you, um, if, you, if you're a, a great employer, and, you know, I always think people join a company, leave a manager, 
join and stay because of the people they work with and the friends they have, the um, they develop, they're learning. Then, you know, I think I think businesses can definitely grow. Um, I think we're in we're in for challenging times, but you know, there's there's always opportunity if you uh, if you look hard enough and and uh, yeah. and find it. There's plenty of work to be had. Absolutely, That's what I know. I've got a lot of work on. I'll just round up by saying, look, Nicola, a lot of the stuff you said I completely agree with, but it is at the door of the government. And I'm generally a, generally a supporter of the government, uh, but uh, this particular government. But there's an old Winston Churchill phrase that comes to mind. Business is not a cow to be milked a ki or a tiger to be caged. It's a strong horse to pull the economy and the carts. That's what it's for. Um, and we need to be given the ability to do that. Look, Roger, uh, thank you for joining us from your car and telling us about the Sutton Trust. Nicola, dose of reality from you today. Uh, and Richard, thank you very much. Uh, I, I hope to see you in the studio in due course, Richard and, and Nicola, yes. because, uh, because I will be recovered from COVID. Uh, and thank you all for joining us. Can I also say to you, thank you for joining us uh, either on the uh, audio podcast or on the video. We're going to take a break on Business Unmuted for the months of July and August, and we'll be back in September for the next season. Thank you very much.